There are many ways that we worship. Singing is one of those beautiful, compelling ways that sticks with you. These songs, they live with you throughout the week. Of course, we also read scripture, we pray together, we share our testimonies. There are many ways that we worship. But one of the ways that we worship in Christian community is celebrating each other and realizing and acknowledging and giving God praise for the giftedness that we see in each other. So today, I'm not wanting to introduce the speaker. I, I want to worship with you in this moment, uh, giving thanks to God for what he has done and is doing in one of our community. Leanne Ketchum is coming to preach today. She's going to bring God's word for us. She's one of the best preachers we've ever graduated from here at Indiana Western University. She won the preaching award and she's uh, pastored out in Colorado and now she's at Princeton Seminary on a wonderful scholarship and is wowing her professors there and just talked with one of my former professors there about her last week. There's lots of things I could say about her that are sort of normal resume stuff. But to me, that's not what really matters about Leanne. Uh, when we talk about her among our community, she's one of those people that when professors are struggling and wondering, and yes, professors do struggle and wonder, about whether or not their lives are really having a meaningful uh, purpose, if they're really connecting and gaining traction and making the world a better place because they've just had a bad day or a bad week, one of the people they think about consistently to let them remember that they are making a difference in the world, there are people out there that are graduated from here that are doing great things, is Leanne. She's consistently that for them. And when we talk about Leanne, she's one of those people, it's not just character or virtue, whatever that is, uh, which to me sometimes can sound righteous or moralistic. It's something more important, something more beautiful in her. There definitely is the fruit of the Spirit in her life in ways that are compelling and beautiful and winsome. Uh, so I hope when she comes, you will also join me in worshiping God, not just as we listen to the word and hear it proclaimed to us, but give God thanks for what he's doing in and among us. Those of you sitting here, some of you are going to be doing things similar. Some of you are going to be doing other things that are just as, just as important in the kingdom of God. But let's worship together, uh, not just as we listen to the word, but giving God thanks for who she is. Now, normally I would then say the speaker's name and ask you to give warm welcome and all that. But knowing Leanne, she's not as comfortable with that sort of thing. So I'd, I'd like us to do something different than applaud this speaker. Uh, do something I've never done before in a different way. I hope you're okay with that. What I'd like for us to do is simply say two phrases as we welcome her up. And we'll practice them before she comes. The first is, bring us the word of God. Can you say that? And the second is, we're ready to listen. Can you say that? Okay, let's say that together as Leanne comes. Bring us the word of God. We're ready to listen. Well, you know someone really knows you well when that happens, and they don't make all of you applaud, because that's weird. Um, like they said, my name's Leanne, and let me just start by saying it is such a gift to get to be here with you today. I graduated three and a half years ago and I'm so blessed to get to be back. Will you join me in prayer this morning? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer, amen. 
I grew up in a small town in Wisconsin next to a cornfield. Uh, it's the kind of town that only has a handful of streetlights. You know that one, uh, where the craziest thing to do on a Friday night is to go play hide-and-seek in Walmart until you get asked to leave. It's the kind of place that you move to when life in the city gets a little too hectic and you want your kids to grow up safe. Some of you might know just the kind of place I'm talking about. And after graduation, I did several things, but before I get there, let me say that my time at Indiana Wesleyan was awesome, because mainly I don't remember my midterms or my finals or the papers that I wrote. I remember the time that I spent here, growing, laughing, gaining perspective, and very much so healing. Uh, I remember my hours spent in Jackson Library, so much so that I joked about my possessive boyfriend, Jackson, who was stealing all of my time. I remember the frantic dashes in Macan when the words free drink were said as I sprinted to get some of that last minute caffeine for the day. I remember living with some of my best friends who are still my best friends. I remember being poured into and loved and cared for by so many wonderful staff and faculty here. But the IWU bubble, like some of you know, is a very real thing. And I was so excited to get to go out and to pop that bubble and go. So I decided to go big or go home, and I popped that bubble and I left. Um, in the time following uh, school, I graduated, and then in a couple of months, I moved to Colorado. Now, as, yes, Colorado, right? Best mountains, best weather you'll ever have. Seriously, I'm not kidding. It was the best. Um, and I want to share with you a little bit about the crazy adventure that God took me on the year after I graduated. So we, I moved across the country to Colorado, which is over a thousand miles from any family members that I have. Uh, I started two new jobs because I was joining a church plant, and when you church plant, you get another job to pay your bills, and then you also work at the church. And so not only was I starting one job, but I started two, and then I had to make friends and um, get started in a whole new place and a whole new culture. And then a few months later, I came back to Indiana. My husband graduated. That night, we had our, uh, our wedding rehearsal. Then the next day, we had our wedding. And then the two weeks that followed, we had a funeral, two Christmases in two states, and then we moved him out to Colorado, and I preached for two weeks. Welcome to adult life, everyone. You have much to look forward to. <laughs> now, some of you are thinking, oh my gosh, that's such a great adventure. I want to go on one of those. That's wrong. What you should be thinking is this girl is nuts. Who is this crazy girl that they had come and speak to you today? Well, a psychologist back in the 60s made this whole thing called a stress index. They looked at various life experiences and rated them and talking about how stressful they were to see how stress related to illness. If you score over a 300 on this test and adding up all the different life events that you experienced in that year, you have an 80% chance of getting ill. So while I prepared this message, I thought that it would be so fun to look at that, that year and see what my score was. Well, uh, this is one of the times, like golf, when you want a very low score, and I had over 500. 
so at the end of that year, I don't know why, but I just felt like a wreck. <laughs> I couldn't keep it together. I was pretty confident that I was losing it. Life, while beautiful and wonderful, it had also been really hard. And I remember praying to God and saying, is this what you had in mind? Me losing it? This is what you wanted? Because I'm so tired. And I'm a little disillusioned. All these things that I had hoped and planned for to be awesome, they're not exactly what I had pictured them to be. Instead, being a pastor was hard, and working another job in addition to another job was hard, and moving somewhere where I had no family and friends and trying to create those was hard. Life, all of those things I had hoped for, all these things I put my hope and trust and faith in were hard. And we come to these place, this place in life you can call it a lot of different things. A crossroads, a pressure point, a fork in the road. But we come to this space where our hope is tested and you find out what your hope is really made of. Our text today is from a letter to the Hebrews. Um, scholars aren't exactly sure who wrote, who wrote it, that's okay. Uh, and it was written sometime in the 60s, most likely to a house church in Rome. Jesus has come, he's died, and he's been resurrected, and he's ascended to heaven, and in the decades to follow, like hopefully your New Testament courses have taught you, the church was born. Friends, this is why we all exist today. This letter, it reads more like a sermon than anything else, so I'm going to refer to the author as the preacher throughout the sermon. But in this time, in the church is born, many Jews have been long awaiting for the Messiah to come. And finally, Jesus, and their hopes are fulfilled. And in the years to follow, some have left their homes, their jobs, even their families to follow Christ. And the anxiously anticipated return of Jesus seems so close. It could be any moment. But some time has passed since their initial conversion. And Jesus still isn't there. Historical documents tell us that Jews were being expelled from Rome, even Jewish Christians. They had hardship from the government. Uh, they had their property being seized, verbal and physical abuse, even imprisonment. And here they are, tired, fearful, questioning. Is this? What you had in mind, God? The continual hardship has caused problems for their faith. They've become resistant to God. Their, their spiritual growth has stopped. They're losing heart and they are losing hope. You see, it's gotten to the point where life has become deeply difficult. And those who are part of the church are having fantasies about times in their life when it was easier. Before Jesus came, before this whole Messiah thing, before we left everything to follow Jesus, do you remember that? They're thinking of the time when they were just Jewish and they could go to the sacrifices in the temple and be done. 
they're thinking of the protection that they had under the Roman government as Jews, a protected religion. It all sounds so good. But this, this following Jesus, no. It's too hard. And they're losing heart, and they're losing hope. Have you ever had a time like this? When life is hard? Maybe your spiritual growth has stopped. You're resistant to God or just flat out ignore God altogether. You're tired. You're questioning. Is this what you had in mind, God? If no one has broken the news to you yet, allow me to be the first one to gently do so. If you haven't had a time in your life like this, you will. There'll be a time in your life when all that you had hoped in, even your faith, will become difficult. And you may be tempted, like the hearers of Hebrews, to walk away from it all. But scripture has a word for us today, just like the preacher did for the hearers of Hebrews. And this is what Hebrews 10 says. Therefore, my friends, Since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us approach with full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. The preacher to the Hebrews wanted them and wants us to hear one thing today, loud and clear. Jesus Christ is our better hope. And here's why. Nothing and no one can do for us what Jesus does. The preacher wants them to know that their old life will be unsatisfying. They cannot go back to something that is no longer theirs. It will not fix their life to go back to it, although it sounds really great and really nice. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus gives us confidence to go before God. We trade our fear for confidence in Jesus Christ. We are not detached or far away any longer, but Christ has opened a new way, a living way, a better hope. We often spend our time hoping in things that are just a blip. Not that they don't matter. If anything, we know that they matter so very much. Your friendships, your relationships, your families, your studies, your future career, we know that it all matters very much. 
but I call them a blip because they're transient. They'll change. You don't know how many job changes you're going to have. You don't know if this will be your only degree. You don't know what your relationships will look like tomorrow. We live in a world that changes, but we have a God that does not change. Jesus is our better hope. So we spend our time hoping and placing stock in great gifts and as wonderful and beautiful and life-enriching as they are, they don't hold up. Because Jesus is our better hope. What is your hope made of? The day before I graduated, my parents made the drive from Wisconsin to IWU for the weekend graduation festivities. I have three older brothers who are in various stages of life, and I was the first person in my family to graduate from college. I was thrilled, a mixture of relief that it was over, and thrilled for the future that was going to come. And also, let's be honest, a bit scared. Well, my parents came, and I was also excited for them to get to have that proud parent moment. You know, when they take too many pictures, and you're like, Mom, stop. But I wanted that for them. I was the first one, and it was going to be, you know, an exciting weekend. Well, they get here, and we have the service on Friday. And that night, my parents start to get a little worried. You see, one of my brothers had just moved home. He has chronic back pain, was awaiting a back surgery but had also battled various drug addictions for many years. And we knew that all of that was still going on. After a few hours of frantic phone calls and not being able to get a hold of him, my parents got the phone call that he had overdosed and was in the hospital. So they turned around and they rushed home. It's a little bittersweet for me to be here today because the last time I was on this stage, I was graduating without my parents here. And then the next day, I moved home to live with my brother, who I felt so fond for at that time. My hopes in my family and my future were a bit bruised. But even more than that was my faith. I wanted to be angry, and I was. And I felt God ask me, Leanne, in this, Will you turn to me or will you walk away? And I wanted to say, I'm done. I know I've trained for four years to be a pastor, but I'm done. Is this what you had in mind? But I felt this gentle tug, like that of a parent who is tugging along a child having a tantrum. And God asked me again, Leanne, will you turn to me, or will you walk away? You see, I wanted a comfortable walk with Jesus. I wanted it to be easy. But the truth is, is that we trade comfortable and we get confidence, and that is way better. We trade comfortable to get confidence, because confidence means that we get to approach God with full assurance of faith. That we can draw near to God when we are at our worst, when we are sleep deprived and cranky or even downright mean. We have confidence to approach God and know that we are being held in grace. 
Grace is that thing that we like to talk about. God doing for us what we could never do for ourselves. God saying that you are enough now and you are loved now. And that is what we get when we get the confidence that God gives us rather than a comfortable walk with Jesus. So let us approach God with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Let us hold fast to the confession of hope without wavering. For he who has promised is faithful. When life gets hard, as it might be right now in the midterm, let us hold fast to our confession of hope without wavering. Friends, this is why we come here. This is why we sing these songs. This is why we pray these prayers. Because our faith must be spoken. We have to say it. There's something about saying it. When God spoke the world into being, that's what we echo when we confess our faith. When we profess our faith, we echo this very creation and we are holding fast to the hope of Jesus Christ. So when we speak our faith, when we sing songs, write poetry, or scream our prayers, you are holding fast to your faith in that time. Earlier in Hebrews in 619, it says, we have this hope as an anchor for our souls, firm and secure. Life is hard, and we may constantly feel like you're being tossed about by the waves, and they're just crashing down around you, and you cannot catch a breath. We need an anchor, a hope that is firm and secure. Not one in the sand. An anchor dropped in the sand will not hold. We need an anchor that's in the bedrock that will keep us from the storm. You cannot be held securely by the things of this life. They simply won't hold up. But the person and work of Jesus Christ is our better hope. And Christ is our anchor who will hold us firmly, securely. So this exhortation to hold fast to our hope is only an exhortation that comes with the knowledge that while we are holding fast, we are also being held. This is not about your willpower or what you're able to do. This is about the who God is, and the fact is that God holds us throughout it all. While we are becoming immovable in our faith, we are held by the one who will never move. And all these things, they'll pass away. Let us hold unswervingly to our hope in Jesus Christ. For a while, I could not sing a song or pray a prayer or go to church without crying some hot, bitter tears, which is very embarrassing when you're a pastor and you're supposed to keep it together. You see, I wasn't crying just for the overdose or what I lost. I was also crying for the years that my family had gone through, the devastation that addiction brings, the broken trust and all the lies. I grieved that year. 
But as I look back, I realize that the choked out prayers and the wavering hymns that I sung were the way that I was holding fast to my hope that I knew was true. And in that time, God held me. When life gets hard, this is the last time that we ever want to go it alone, as much as you will want to. We're invited to consider how we might provoke one another to love and good deeds, continually meeting together and encouraging one another. Now, this word provoke is somewhere between your mom telling you that you're doing a really great job, keep it up, and someone running after you with a hot poker, somewhere in that big middle. It's about being a bold truth teller, to provoke someone to good deeds and to love and to hold fast during trial. It's about being bold and telling the truth, reminding them who they are and who God is, to challenge someone, to remain faithful in trial, even when that looks like screaming prayers. Do you have people like this? Are you this kind of person? One of the ways that I was held was by my faith community. Because there, let me tell you, there were times when I could not say a word. Where I was like, the best you get this Sunday is that I showed up. And I relied on them to pray for me and to sing for me when I didn't have enough to do it on my own. They reminded me and challenged me to cling to the hope and truth of God's love and his great care for us. Of this truth that God is our hope and our anchor for our soul. So I don't know what your year has been like so far. I'd imagine that right now most of us feel a bit stressed. I desperately hope that your stress level is not above 500 like mine was. And, but I'm also not so naive to think that that's necessarily true. Where are you at? Are you wavering? Are you having a hard time? Are you close to giving up? Are you tired? For some of us here, we're like the people in Hebrews. It's been a while since our conversion. And it may have some hardship. And you may be fantasizing about going back to other ways of life. About walking away from it all. But when life gets hard, we have to turn to Jesus. Because Jesus Christ is our better hope. All of the rest, it simply won't hold up. So today, as we respond, we're going to do this as a community. We are going to profess our faith together as a community. Thank you for humoring me. One of the gifts of being the speaker is that I get to do whatever I want. So we will be standing together in a few moments, and we'll be saying the Apostles' Creed. Now, I think you're all a little bit familiar with the Apostles' Creed. This is what we cling to. This is our hope, friends. This isn't what our denomination or political ideology or this, that, and the other. These foundational truths are what we cling to. So, as we say these words, let them strengthen you in your confession of hope. Will you stand with me? Let us say together. 
I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Will you give me a moment to pray over you, and then I'll say a benediction. Let us pray. God, for these, your people, may you strengthen them. May you assure them of your hope for their life. Lord, give them confidence as they go out into the rest of their semester, into the rest of their time at Indiana Wesleyan, into the rest of their lives. Lord, we know that you truly are our anchor, and you are our better hope. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before you go, let us hear the benediction. When life is hard, may you be assured that Jesus is our better hope. As we are held by Christ, our firm and secure anchor, may you be strengthened as you hold unswervingly to the hope that we all confess. For he who has promised is faithful. Go in peace. The service has ended.